This is an AMI podcast. I think the biggest problem that I went through was the the grief of losing uh, my sport career. It is like losing uh, a family member. Beyond the Field on AMI-tv examines important issues impacting the world of sport. Many conversations I would end with me in tears, feeling like I was being told that I had to change and I had to toughen up. Beyond the Field Uncut provides access to the full, unedited conversations. It's great that you represent Canada and live in Canada. It must be a great country to live in. And I'm like, yes, it is. But as a minority, there still is a lot of racism. Join Paralympians Greg Westlake and Travis Morale as they raise awareness and push the conversation forward through discussions with elite para-athletes, experts, and coaches. This is Beyond the Field Uncut. Hello, I'm Greg Westlake. For our episode on LGBTQ plus inclusion in para-sport, I spoke with Ness Murphy on his journey coming out as trans and how he has felt since that time. He shares his story and delivers a powerful message for everyone. Here's the full interview. So Ness, thanks so much for being here. Uh, so excited to have this conversation. You came out last fall on the podcast, Five Rings to Rule Them All. Why did you feel like that was the right time to make the statement? I think part of uh, my coming out was um, uh, linked with, uh, with the climate that was what was going on for 2020, COVID, the world at large, people needing to feel like their voices were heard. On a personal note, it's entirely about recognizing that I cannot be the best version of myself if I'm not congruent with who I am. And I certainly can't carve out spaces for those that follow me if I'm not, a, um, if I'm not in a position of visibility and, and leading as an example. Why was it important for you to come out in the manner that you did, you know, on a podcast speaking versus maybe writing a statement? I think that's a phenomenal question. And uh, one that I'd have to say, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't premeditated. It wasn't planned. Um, I, ironically, I was uh, approached to, to do a, uh, a segment of piece, an interview, um, as potentially being a member of the LGBTQ plus um, community. And part of that, um, that narrative really helped me recognize that it wasn't even for certain, quote unquote, that I was in that uh, community because the world's based off perceptions. And so when I was asked, I realized this was sort of this meeting the moment piece. And it wasn't until uh, the day before the interview that I actually turned uh, to the journalist and said, hi, I think it's about time that I introduce myself and how do you feel about doing this piece? And I think that's where we took it from. And part of that was a, in the moment, meeting that moment and recognizing, I just wanted to be who I was. And to do that involved making a statement because so happens that I'm a athlete, so happens that I am in the public spotlight. And that means that I am in a position of privilege to speak up, to represent the trans community in hopefully a, a positive light and to carve out spaces. How does it feel to be the first para-athlete to come out? Was that something that you were aware of? I really wasn't aware that I was the first para-athlete. Um, part of coming out uh, is about a personal journey. And so I wasn't looking to see where I fit in the world. More so I was looking for the world to meet me where I was at. Um, 
I, I have a running joke, which is when I was informed on the podcast that I was the very first, uh, that idea of, is it too late to go back in the closet? Um, <laughs> you know, on that being, you know, tongue in cheek, there's no way that I would go back. Who I am is who I am. And I'm hoping that with that, it will provide others with the strength to feel comfortable in who they are. I think that's so powerful and thank you so much for coming out and, and being that voice and that person that's so many people are going to look up to now. I think that's amazing. Um, on a personal note, was there just a massive weight off your shoulders when you finally said those words? Introducing myself was unexpectedly the scariest thing I've ever done in that moment. Beforehand, it felt confident. I, I, I felt confident saying the words took my breath away. After they were said, there was this overwhelming wave of relief and a, now what? Let's get busy. And speaking of getting busy, one of your mantras is tougher than. Could you maybe just walk me through what exactly that is? Tougher than has been a mantra that uh, my wife and I have recognized we carry within ourselves and have done so for some time now. Um, when you talk about the intersectionality of people, we are rarely one label. And tougher than is derived from being a force greater than your obstacle. I'm disabled. I'm also trans. They are just two labels, but at that intersection, there's a lot of oppression, perceptions, um, obstacles in that road. And so it's about embracing who you are and then finding a way to navigate around the orthodoxy of life. So we built this platform in the hopes that we can create a, create a, a space for community to recognize that we are all tougher than. This isn't some superhuman um, power that, that is unobtainable. And it's about helping us all recognize that we need to start asking better questions. We need to break down the barriers and the world's ideology of prescribed ABCs. I think, I think that's great. And you, and you touch on some of the reactions that you got from the general public. What about the para sport in particular? You know, has the para world really rallied around you or have you faced any criticism there? Silence isn't neutral. Uh, passivity isn't inactive. I haven't faced direct criticism, but I certainly haven't Based advertent support either. And with that in mind, that messaging tells me that we do not have a culture within sport, within our organizations that is inclusive, that is recognizing that we're all individuals. And so that silence tells me that it's uncomfortable. And that's really disappointing. The silence is actually deafening. And it sends a message to me that we are not in the place that I would like us to be. And I'm certainly not done fighting. I'm just getting started. So you would agree that there's not a strong LGBTQ plus community within Parasport? There may be a community, strong being the operative word, certainly not in terms of inclusion um, and, and recognition. Part of the problem within sport is that it is structured around the binary system. And that binary system is structured out of a very uh, traditionalist orthodoxy. 
And so when we think about the LGBTQ plus community, there has been so much movement and change and yet sport isn't caught up with that. It's not, it's not meeting that point where we're at. And so for myself, um, especially at this intersection of being a para-athlete and a trans-athlete, where do we go to first with the labels? And for me, it was always a case of disabled first. And that never allowed there to be any space for my identity, uh, my expression um, to, to be recognized, to, to be visible. And so within sport, it's, it's really hard to have an individual identity. And do you feel like the reactions would have been different or do you feel like you maybe would have made more progress if you were an able-bodied athlete versus a para-athlete? Not having lived on the other side of the fence, I think it's really hard to actually know. What I can comment on is that in terms of, of stereotypical scenarios, Olympians do tend to get um, more response for what they're doing. And that's because the buy-in is potentially easier. When we're taking it from a, um, a cognitive bias, it's easier to look at sameness. It's a lot harder to look at difference and para poses a difference to the majority of the population. And so I think when we look at it through that lens, it's not so much of being one or the other. It comes back to the same uh, judgment and stereotypes that the, the fear of difference, I think the discomfort with difference. And so there's a lot of backing away rather than moving towards and, and asking those better questions to become more knowledgeable. I think, you know, the old adage of be the best person you can be until you know better. And that step of knowing better requires an intentionality. So how do we let athletes be the, be their full selves? Is it, does it have to come from organizational change or does it have to come from the athlete putting their hand up and speaking their truths? Advocacy is exhausting. Asking those who are in the segregated group or the oppressed group to constantly advocate and self-advocate is a tiring task. Messaging needs to be coming from all of the organizations that are doing the speaking, that are setting in place the standard, the expectations of our athletes, of our officials, of our staff. We need to be changing the culture within organizations and the way that that's done is with messaging. Um, recently for Trans Day of Visibility, I found myself in a situation of advocacy because I was misgendered. And I was misgendered by a high performance director within Athletics Canada. It was discussed and, and there was an apology, but an apology without change leads to recurring behavior. And so part of that becomes a case of, right, why did this happen? It's not an isolated incident. And so when we look at these things as it being a culture rather than just an incident, then we can start to unpack how we improve it. So how we improve it, I called Athletics Canada to accountability, to needing to create a, a structural resource as well as actioning DEI policies and uh, overt messaging. I haven't received support from more than a handful of people 
across the board of my NSO and the Canadian Parliament Committee. And that tells me that the messaging isn't there. And that messaging needs to be changed by the organizations because they are the ones that in the, in the traditional structure, in the organizational structure, we look up to, we look to them to tell us how we're expected to behave because that's how it's always been done. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it wrong. It's just the way it is. And therefore, there needs to be a conscious and intentional inclusion messaging coming uh, from Athletics Canada specifically, which is my NSO, but from across the board. There needs to be set in motion, not just a, oh, well, of course, mantra, once someone comes out. This needs to be happening all the time so that it is not a coming out so much as a, oh, okay, I actually fit in this round and I'm just introducing myself. Well, I agree with you. It's one thing to, to acknowledge it, but then what are you actually doing to change your actions moving forward? So I, I think that's a great point. And, you know, the more you tell your story, that's, that's really helping um, drive this forward. So I, I appreciate that. You know, you know, you're obviously doing your part to ensure inclusivity moving forward. Do you feel like you have faced discrimination up to this point? And are you nervous about facing discrimination moving forward? I was born into an unorthodox world uh, simply by being me. I've faced discrimination from day dot. It's not something I fear. It's something that I am accustomed to. I take that as my privilege because I choose to frame it that way. It's my privilege that this is not the first time and it won't be the last time. And that I have tools that I have grown into to be able to educate, to be able to not necessarily take it personally, but channel it into something global. Part of who I am is recognizing that if I can speak up, it means that I'm taking that off someone else's shoulders who may not feel ready to or able to. And like those who went before me did that and I was able to gain strength from I believe it's my responsibility to pass that on for the generations who come after me. So in terms of uh, discrimination, I think it's not always intentional, but that doesn't mean it's not happening. So as soon as I came out, things start coming to the surface that I can then start advocating for, such as the CCES, the Canadian Centre for Ethics and Sport, discussing with them, how safe is it for me to have drug testers coming to my home now that I am publicly out as trans, when I have no idea who these people are. How hard is it and oppressing for me that I can't fill out my data on the system to be accurate and aligned with who I am? And so opening up these kinds of discussions. That aside, safety as an umbrella topic within this inclusion is huge. I've been on the Canadian team since 2015. We've been to various countries of which their jurisdictions vary. And that's okay, except if we're not actually explicitly acknowledging these differences, then where is the safety and the protection for athletes such as myself going into countries where it's illegal to be homosexual, let alone transgender? And then that also opens up the topic of segregation within a segregated group. When I was perceived as being gay, there were different rights 
um, different uh, discriminations, uh, different support. Now I'm out as transgender, it's an entirely different scenario and I'm facing, um, I'm, I'm facing negativity from those who I thought were allies. And that's where the intentionality piece um, where we need to have within sport, making it safer. And that goes to the, the wider audience, our you know, communities globally, worldwide. We need to actually be changing the anti-trans rhetoric to be trans-inclusive. And if you're going to have athletes traveling to countries, then it needs to be an outright explicit conversation of how we are there for you. And we're not going to actually leave that just to you to deal with. Advocacy is exhausting. Do you think growing up with a disability, did that give you some of the tools and prepare you for this fight? Certainly growing up with a disability and one that was both deteriorating and vacillating until it reached its end point allowed me to not only recognize that I saw the world differently, clearly the green I see is not the green you see, but that also things constantly change. So my eyesight when I was younger was such that glare would send me totally blind. So I was dipping in and out of having partial sight to no sight. And I think that really set me up for understanding that there is no one truth. There is no one perspective. And that has really helped me in life to try and better understand and empathize. And at the same time, recognize who I am as an individual and be proud of who I am and able to stand up for that. One thing you spoke on it is about the people that are going to come after you and come out as trans. And I'm curious, if you had the chance to speak to them or somebody that's struggling with their identity, what would you say? I think it's really important for you to be who you are as you are right now. You do not need to have a definitive answer. You are allowed to explore the person you are. And as human beings, we are destined to keep changing. So feel confident in knowing that you are enough exactly as you are with who you are and that questioning, questioning is a really positive superpower because it tells me that you are not rigid and that means that you are going to continue to grow as the extraordinary person you are and the better version of yourself that you will become. Be you, be unapologetically you. I love that. And I think that applies to, to everybody, really. Um, you, you know, you clearly have this fire and this passion to fight this fight. Where does that come from? Huh. I could say it's the Aussie in me, uh, certainly. Um, you know, I, I was brought up on a good dose of Vegemite and, um, and, and realized that I, I come from a culture that taught me give anything a go and we'll work it out. And I think that that is a message that stuck with me. I also come from a family that talks and talking encourages perspective. No matter what I was encouraged and told that you can be anything you want to be and that I was enough as I, as I was. And I think when you have a family that is imperfect, no family is perfect, but when you take the imperfection of life 
and frame those positive messages into empowerment, that's what creates drive. Everything is our choice. And recognizing that there are always choices is what, what keeps that fire burning. There is always an option. You cannot look at a Murby, a Ness Murby, and say, you're out of options because I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll come up with one. And it might not be what you thought or it might be you know, a little bit off the beaten track, but that's the great thing about being open and congruent. No, I, I love that. And, you know, speaking of fire and passion, I'd love to talk about the competitive nature that you have as well. Um, uh, are you trepidatious about the way you will be received by your Team Canada teammates leading into Tokyo? And what about your fellow competitors? I'll tell you one thing. I do not feel safe. I do not feel safe with my teammates. I do not feel safe with the organizations in general, but that doesn't mean that I'm not safe. It also doesn't mean that I don't have a reason to feel in danger. I haven't had people step up and say, hey, Ness, we're with you. And that makes a difference. That being said, I am proud of who I am. I am an athlete, I am a husband, I am a dad. You cross my intersections, my labels, and okay, I'm also para and trans, so that makes me a para-athlete, a trans-athlete, a para-dad, a trans-dad, a para-husband, and a trans-husband. And at the end of the day, I'm human. So I will stand up and say, I'm human and I have earned the right to be here. I am worthy of being here. And if you won't stand by me, that's, that's okay because that is on you. I certainly do not feel safe and I will keep fighting so that everyone else knows that there is at least a voice telling them that they, they belong because belonging is not the same as fitting in. Fitting in demands us to metamorphosize ourselves into something that's acceptable. We are acceptable as who we are. I am trans every day and I am worthy of being a valued member of this community. Well, I hope you know that when I hear all those titles and different hats that you wear, uh, I see strength. And that's what I see. So you have a fan in me and I appreciate that. Um, could you expand on what you mean when you say you don't feel safe? Having not heard from my teammates sends a message that I don't have allies, that I don't have people who are ready to be at my side to accept me as just a teammate, as a fellow human being. That may not be their intention, but that's the problem with silence. Silence sends a message. Silence is a choice. And so being safe, I don't know if I'm walking into an entire team of transphobic individuals. I don't know what happens once I get there. I don't know how hard it's going to be when I show up and are people going to be on board and ready to refer to me as my true self? What I know is that for me right here, right now, looking at walking into that team environment, I'm needing to put on my armor already. I need to be ready to 
anytime I am outside my my family and work unit because they are one and the same. My wife is my sports assistant. Anytime that I step out of that unit, I need to have my armor on and not just for myself, but for my family. And that is an added load to carry going into a major sporting competition and one that no one should carry. To only have safety and and, and a sanctuary in your private space isn't how it should be for anyone. And especially not when we're talking on a para team. So it's okay to be diverse if you're para, but pair that up with an intersection of gender orientation and gender identity. And suddenly that diversity, that acceptance is gone. And so that's what I mean when I say, I don't feel safe. No one's telling me that they've got my back as a teammate. So, so what's your message for somebody that might have a question for you that, that wants to speak to you? Do you welcome that and view it as a chance for edu- education? Whilst I can't do the emotional labor or work for anyone, I am always here to try and help the process. I'm open to people talking to me and having explicit conversations because uncomfortable is just that. It's not actually a siren to tell ourselves to stop. So starting a conversation may be uncomfortable, but it's only going to lead to greater enlightenment and sharing. So I certainly welcome anyone coming to me with good intentions to find out how they can be an ally, what this actually means, where I'm coming from. And then I also welcome them sharing where they're coming from because That's what this is about. Life is about accepting each other where we are at as individuals, embracing difference. Now, going back to when you say advocacy is tiring, do you think it will ever be possible for you to just be an athlete or will the two always be linked together? I don't want to just be an athlete because I am not one label. And that's part of the beauty of recognizing and who I am and, and actualizing that. I don't need to just be anything other than just being. And that's part of, I mean, hey, my name's Ness. What does the suffix mean? It turns something into a being. So I'm looking to just be in every situation. And I think if we're going to be specific, sure. I already am just an athlete. It's about waiting for the world to catch up and I won't be waiting passively. I love that. I think that's amazing. I want to give you an opportunity to speak on your wife real quick. Uh, I know she's also your sports assistant. Um, What role has she played and really helped you with? My wife and I have been together now for 12 years. And what's beautiful about that is We have grown together and grown separately in each other's presence. It's a beautiful thing. And when you've been with someone for that amount of time, there's something really special about realizing that you are each other's, you are each other's biggest fan. And I love that we see each other for our differences and Man, she is an amazing woman. She is powered on through privilege, 
the loss thereof, and then rising above to be a phenomenal activist, a, a phenomenal ally. And I just love my wife. I love her for everything she is and for the person she has been and becomes. When you look at someone who comes especially from a place of quote unquote privilege, and when I say that, that's a perceived privilege, someone who is perceived as a white cis female. And she sees me, she falls in love with me as I do her and is willing to not be afraid, to not listen to that uncomfortable and say, I will give up that privilege because this is who I am. My wife is doing the exact same thing that I am doing, but in her own way. She is being congruent with who she is. And that involves standing up against injustice and against oppression, I guess. I guess, yeah, standing up against the rhetoric of, of orthodoxy. In terms of sport, um, my wife trains with me, competes with me. We are out there on the field together. So yeah, that Paralympic stadium, the both of us walk out into that stadium because in athletics, the two of us create the one athlete team. As a blind athlete, that is what is required for me to perform at my best. It's a team effort. And that's not the case in all sports. And that's where once again, diversity, equity, and inclusion is at the forefront of the conversation. My wife doesn't do this because she's my wife. My wife chose to do this. And from my perspective, that is a great honor on my part. And every day, I love that we can work together and live together and be together. It's one of the, uh, the greatest gifts. And it's not easy. And that's, that's one of the things of 12 years. People assume that therefore we must be lucky. My wife and I, we work at it every day. And that work is a privilege. You know what, Ness, I, I want to thank you personally because I've really enjoyed chatting with you today. Um, I, I've learned so much. And I really want to just give you a chance. The floor is yours. If there's anything I didn't ask you that you'd like to get out there, um, have at it. Okay. I think something that's really important as a message to all is that we are all in the same storm, but we are not in the same boat. And for every person to come at that and to embrace that, to realize we have a lot to learn from each other and that doesn't take anything away from who we are as individuals. It's really important that people step up we need more people to be visible, to be speaking out, because that's how we change a culture. Accepting something simply because it's the way it's always been doesn't make it so. I wanna make sure that the next person who is out on the Canadian team feels welcomed and feels safe and is provided with those things moving forward so they are not in the position of going to a country and wondering if they will get out of there alive. My wife and I have been in that position. It is scary. It's terrifying. 
and asking us to choose between our work and who we are isn't fair and isn't something that we will ever do again. I really appreciate talking to you and uh, I wish you the absolute best uh, moving forward and, and fighting this fight. And uh, I'm a big fan. If there's anything I can do in the future, you let me know. Thanks. Um, I really appreciate it. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's great to, to start these conversations. I think, Oh, actually there is one other point, something to put on the table. I think as a conversation that needs to be picked up is this idea of trade-offs. No one should be put in a position to trade off who they are for fear of what they do. Speaking up to say that I can't have drug testers coming into my house unless there is trans inclusion and action to protect me puts me at risk of earning a mark against my name as if I denied a drug test, as if I am guilty of potentially hiding taking illicit substances. That being one example, it exists throughout, choosing to go to competitions or not, choosing to speak up and ask for certain uniforms because I wear men's clothes or not. Operating out of fear is a culture we have to change. Don't ask people to choose between who they are and what they do. I can't emphasize that enough. Ness, thanks so much for sharing your story today. I appreciate it. Um, you know, I look up to you, and if there's anything I can do in the future, you just let me know. Thanks so much. I really appreciate you giving of your time and your voice, and that's exactly what you can keep doing for all of us. Keep speaking up. Keep pushing those explicit conversations because there is enough space for all of us, and it's people like you who are changing the culture. Thank you. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to check out the rest of the series Beyond the Field at AMI.ca or through the AMI-TV app. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.